Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. From the Gospel according to Matthew. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I woke up this morning, and I thought I knew how I was going to start this sermon, this message, and uh, that's not the way we're going to start it, because that's when you're the smartest, when you wake up. And so I had this uh, remembrance, I had this regret that came to mind. When I was in college, I just remembered his name. I couldn't remember this morning. Bud York. So if you went to, for any of you that may have gone to Point Loma way back in the day, there was a man named Bud York. And he was, our, uh, he was one of the professors. And he was also the drama guy. So if they had theater, they did productions, he did that as well. And so I was in communications, supply communications was the degree I wanted to do. And he approached me, I was a senior, and said, hey, I want you to be the lead in our play. I'd never acted before ever. I'd never done anything like that. I had no desire really to, but when he said it, I went, this sounds cool. Uh, it wasn't a musical, so that gave it a plus right there. I can't even remember what the play was. It didn't matter, but I thought, that's something I want to do someday. But for one reason or another, I said no, probably because I had too much going on. It was my senior year. And I look back at that time with regret, because I wish I had. So I'm always kind of pushing. I have, I have two kids that they were born actors, which I think is that's why he wanted me to do it, because he knew that I didn't really care what anybody thought, and I liked to get in the, the heads of people and try to become them. And so I look at that with regret. And I think that I didn't do it primarily, because it just sounded like too much work. Uh, I have a pretty good memory. But the idea of memorizing, that stresses me out. And so the idea of going to, through that discipline, I think that's the main reason I said no. And it reminds me of what, my, what one of my friends told me one time, and I've used it so many times here, because if I ever hear anything good, I steal it, and then I pass it off as my own. And so he said this. He said, the pain of regret is worse than the pain of discipline. The pain of regret is worse than the pain of discipline. And as I look back at that moment, there's definitely regret. That was just a play. It's not that big of a deal. So this morning, though, we're going to talk about regret, but we're especially going to talk about discipline. Uh, It's the beginning of the year, and if you were to look back at 2017, there's probably some regrets you have, some things you wish had happened. And in the same way, for 2018, in case you don't know, it's now 2018, 
You may have some hopes or some desires. And to have those things happen is going to take discipline. If you're going to build, you need to build intelligently. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is building for 2018, moving forward. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. We stopped for Christmas, and now we're coming back. And we're going to jump to the very end of the Sermon on the Mount and now move our way back to the middle. So for the most part, we're not going perfectly chronologically, but in the beginning, we started towards the beginning and moved towards the middle. And now we're going to start at the end, and we're going to finish up by kind of going towards the middle. You'll eventually catch on. Um, But when I think about this idea of building for 2018 and pain and regret, you, we're not used to building homes. That's not something we do. But yet this passage that we're going to look at, that is the focus. It says here, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus, as he's finishing up this sermon, he's given them words on how to live life, how to be successful in life, how to not look back and have regrets, how to do it correctly. So as you look at 2017, we're always going to say, oh, I wish I'd tried this, I wish I'd done that. But we're talking larger than just doing plays or something like that. We're talking about your life. And he uses it as an example to describe your life with house. So when you see house, think your life. It's the same thing. One of my kids recently, uh, and I think I may have shared this before, but I think it's appropriate to describe what we mean when we say house or life. So we have friends that live in a gated community right at the beach. And um, for one reason or another, they think we're going to move into this community. Don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful community, but it ain't going to happen. And so they just keep talking about this community, and when my wife and the kids are there, they have, whenever a house comes up for sale, they'll drive the, the, my wife and the kids, oh, look at this one, and da, 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 da. oh, it's only one point whatever. You're like, oh, really? So, and they're our deepest friends, and our kids are so close with their kids. It's our life group. And, you know, we're a beach family. We surf, so it's right there at the surf, and has all these benefits. And because they have a gate, the kids just kind of roam loose, like, it's, they're at camp, and it's, it's crazy. It's, uh, I can't think of the book right now, but it's, it's where the kids just run wild. And so you got all these kids running wild, and so they keep bringing it up. And so one time, my, and I'm, I'm, one time my kids come home, and they're upset. And I'm like, I know why they're upset. They're upset because they want to move into this community, and, and dad's not going to let us, and why can't we move here? But it wasn't that. I was completely surprised. In fact, one of them was furious, like red-faced, angry. I said, what is the deal? Why are you so angry? And he didn't say it's because he wants to move in. He goes, because we can't leave our home. What? You're supposed to be selfish. You're supposed to be self-centered. Why are, you, why are you thinking this way? What's going on here? And he said, this is where I was born. This is where our memories are. This is, our, this is where our family should be. I said, well, luckily for you, we're not moving. (laughs) But he understood that a house is more than just studs and drywall. It's 
And, it's, and we can move from that house because our, our home is moving with us. But that was his concern. Are we going to lose who we are? So for 2018, or more importantly, for the rest of your life, for tomorrow, who are you going to be? Because Jesus is saying, what are you building your life on? How are you going to build yourself? How are you going to build your family? Who you are? Because anyone who builds on the rock, it's going to stand. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. But more importantly, we're setting this up for where we're going for the rest of this series as we finish up the Sermon on the Mount. So if you could open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And here's we say there, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, I want to stop right there. Because what we're discussing here, what we're really talking about is not only to hear it, but to do it. Because Jesus has shared, but it doesn't mean that people are actually listening. Because there is a difference between hearing and listening, right? Because if you're ever talking to someone and you're trying to explain something to them and they're just nodding their head and looking at you, that means they're hearing you. But if somebody's listening, they're probably asking you questions. That's when you know someone's really listening, really wants to know. If you look around at our uh, chairs, you'll see some of them are missing. It says notes. I can always tell if people are engaged because they have their phones out and they're taking notes or they're writing down because you, you, you're, you're, you're writing down things. Wait, is this actually accurate? Or something sticks out because you're listening. Because it's easy, and this happens all the time in churches and in classes and in all kinds of places where we come and we hear, but we're really not there to listen. There's a huge gap. And if we're really listening, we're going to ask questions. For example, if you have this enormous growth on the side of your face and you go to the doctor and they tell you, you should do blah, 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 wah, 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 wah. If it sounds like that, you're going to say, whoa, whoa, slow down. I have this growth on the whole side of my face. I want, I want to listen because I want this to disappear. I want to take care of this. If you go to a financial planner, you're probably going to take notes. You're probably not just going to sit there in the chair and go, hmm, ooh, ah, and think about watching The Crown that night or think about something else. You're going to be focused. It's the same with coaches. When I was coaching all the time, and actually I'm coaching right now, when you're coaching, you can tell when a kid's just nodding, uh-huh, uh-huh, they're not listening. Well, they say, wait, wait, you said this. Sometimes I'll just make up stuff that sounds weird to see if they're actually listening. I do that on Sunday mornings, just so you know. Because <laughs> that's when you know someone's engaged. Because that's when you know, are they really going to do it? As Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. I have people that I know who are doctors. Actually, I know a lot of doctors. I know financial planners, I know teachers. They're gonna spend their time, they're gonna pour into those who they know are gonna put into practice. I know of a therapist, and he was meeting with a couple, and the couple would come in and they'd argue, and, which is normal, and um, he would give them homework. Say, okay, well this is what you need to work on, I need you to do this and this and this, and then you'll be able to grow through this. So they'd come back the next week, they didn't do it. And then he'd give more direction. This went on for like weeks. So they're in a session with him, and he eventually starts talking less and lets them do most of the talking. So it gets to the point where they're just talking, and they're going back and forth. 
he falls asleep in the middle of the session. So they're sitting there, just three of them. It's not like a group session. It's just the husband and the wife and the sleeping therapist that they've paid to come and visit. So they meet with him, and they look over, and they notice he's sleeping. And so as you would understand, they're pretty angry. So they wake him up. They're like, what's the deal? Like, we've come here to get help. You're just sleeping. We're paying you. And his response is perfect. He said, well, if you're not going to do any work, why should I? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. My question to us is, are we listening? And are we going to do the work? Because Jesus is giving us the words of life, the, the words that will bring us life. And if we believe that, we are going to listen. We are going to take notes. We're going to talk to others and say, is this really what he's saying? We're going to look up commentaries. We're going to, we're going to wrestle with this. We're not just going to nod and move on. And we're going to get to work on this. The next passage he goes on to describe. He says, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, this passage, you can just kind of blaze through it, but if you take your time and begin to look at it, things pop up that you didn't see. For example, none of you, I think, have built their home that you live in right now. Yet he's talking to a group of people who know what it is to build their house. And in Israel, in the area where he's talking about, when the rain comes down, the streams will rise. And I don't mean the kind of streams that you see, like, oh, it's raining outside. And then you walk out in the gutter and you see like this little trickle of water. They have wadis. It becomes like this, it's a flood. It's a flood that will take their house out, that, that changes everything. So they know where the flow of water is. So they know when the rain comes, especially in a desert area, it's a big deal. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Notice that it doesn't say if the rain came down, if the streams rose, if the winds blew. It says the rains came down. And in some of your translations, it'll say, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. It's going to happen. The forecast for our lives, there will be sunshine, but there will be storms. Many of you have heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey. And he talks about your finances. He's one of those uh, online financial planners. He describes finances. And this is what he says. He says, you need to have a $1,000 emergency fund. But don't call it emergency fund. Just call it your fund because you're going to need to use it. It's going to happen. You shouldn't be surprised when, as happened to us this past week, a rat decides to just show up at your car and start eating through wires for no reason at all. And the next thing you know, you bring it to the mechanic. You're like, what's wrong with my car? He goes, oh, 
a rat came, and this is going to cost you $540 because of some random one. Like, we should not be surprised that that happens. You should not be surprised when your daughter comes downstairs this morning, Dad, the shower doesn't work. What? I can't believe that would happen. It's supposed to work forever. This is life. The rain will come down. And the streams will rise. Not your little trickle down. I mean the streams of Israel. The rivers that flow through. And the winds will blow and beat against that house. But will your house last? Will your life succeed through this? Will your life stand? It all depends on if you've built it on the rock. We were talking about those houses, my friends that live near the beach. Well, there's another place that's not gated, but one of the places that I, I would often go and surf, I don't go there that much anymore because, well, the way is really not that good, but it's easy access. You can go down the stairs, and there's this house that's right on the stairs, right there. It's an ugly house, but I know what it could be. And so I looked at that house, and I saw the for sale sign up, and I was like, oh, we could do this. We could buy this piece of property. We don't want to buy that house. We could buy this piece of property because it's cheap. And then we can build right there. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is someone that has made a lot of mistakes and then they become wise if they learn from their mistakes. I wouldn't call myself necessarily wise, but I made a lot of mistakes. And so I knew that even though it was pretty, even though it looked good, even though it seemed right, that is a bad piece of property to buy because I know those bluffs. I know those cliffs. It's just dirt. <laughs> you would have to dig so far down that by the time you eventually get down to where there's any kind of bedrock, it's going to cost so much that it's not worth it, not to mention how long it's going to take. So unless you have a millions and millions and millions of dollars of disposable income, it's not worth it. And yet so many of us are building our lives on something that is not going to last. And you know how you know it's not going to last? Because already in your life, you've seen it be washed away. Like you assume you're going to be healthy for the rest of your life. That's not going to happen. In fact, we have fewer people here today. You know why? Because they have the flu. Thank you. Thank you, those of you listening to the podcast right now, for keeping your flu at home. But you should not be surprised when you get the cold or the flu. You should not be surprised if you get an illness or disease. Why me? Like it's never going to happen. Like your car is not going to break down. We are fragile. Some of us have built our lives on our good looks. I don't know if you know this. You are all going to be ugly. If you're not already ugly. Because that's how life works. It's going to happen. The rain will come down. The streams will rise. The wind will blow and beat against your face and your body, and you will be broken down. So we're not talking about our bodies here. We're talking about our lives. But so many of us build on something that is shifting sand, something that will not last, something that is temporary. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your intelligence. Maybe it's your spouse or your family. Now, these are not all bad things, obviously, but are they shifting sand? Are they temporary? Jesus is saying, you need to build on that which will last. And all of those people that are hearing this, the Israelites who actually build their own homes. I have a friend um, that we met at a conference, uh, the church planting conference. 
just so you know that for us, to, when we were going to plant this church, we did a feasibility study. Not should we plant it, how's this in the area? Feasibility of us. Like, am I too jacked up to be planting a church? And so when they do this, they also want your spouse to come to make sure she can tell them, yeah, he's jacked, or if she's messed up. And when you go through this conference, it's in Wisconsin, they do this uh, uh, feasibility study. They don't call it that, but that's really what it is. And you either leave with the red light, uh, yeah, you shouldn't be doing this, the yellow light, okay, maybe, but, or the green light. Um, to encourage you, we got the green light, in case you were worried, but we met this couple that is a great couple, younger couple, and they were uh, Christian musicians. They'd had a Christian band, and they'd made the decision that this really wasn't what we should be doing anymore. They were doing it for all the wrong reasons. They, <laughs> in classic, humble, wise fashion, they said, we've decided it really doesn't make sense anymore for us to continue this musical career so that we can be famous for Jesus. That's how they described it. We were just trying to be famous, but we say we we're trying to be famous for Jesus. So they went to go plant a church. And so we're at this conference, and we're in Wisconsin, and they're from Minnesota, which is right next door, the state next door. And as we're driving around, they're seeing these houses all over the place. And we're looking at the houses, beautiful acreage. I'm like, how much is that house? Mm, probably 79000 What? That would be like $3 million where I live. So it just became like everywhere we drove. How much is that one? How much is that one? Nothing was over 120000 Nothing. And I said, okay, we're close now. What did you do with your house? He goes, we built our house. Oh, come on. You're a musician. You built your house? He goes, I'm from Minnesota. That's kind of what we do. I'm like, what do you mean? Everybody builds? Well, not everyone's very, but yes, we build our own houses. So my dad took off work. I took off work. And we spent a year or whatever the period of time was, and we built our house. If he's hearing Jesus share this, and he says, the one who builds upon the rock, he knows what that means. Most of us rent. Or most of us, oh, that house is done. I think I'll take that one. Let me look at Zillow. Let me look at MLS. Let me just pick one out. We don't start from scratch. It would be so nice if it was always sunny and there was never rain and there was never wind if we could just build it and float the house. Right? That's the way to do it because all the people that are hearing Jesus like build into the rock. They don't even really have shovels. The kind of shovels that we have, they would be in awe. Oh, where'd you get this pickaxe? What? I mean, they had tools, but they knew this was hard work. When Jesus is calling us to build upon the rock, my friend from Minnesota knows what that means. The people at Jesus' time, they knew what that meant. Do you know? This is not, e okay, sure, I'm going to listen. No, we... Are we ready for this? Are you ready to build your life on the rock? Because it's going to take work. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort, sweat, pain, difficulty. While other people's lives, well, look, they don't have to put hardly any effort in. Why am, I, why am I putting so much work in? Because the storm will come. Jesus is sharing this because if you look at the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, the end of Leviticus, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's giving a promise and a warning. And the promise is, look, if you do this, you're going to be blessed. It's good. I came so that you can have life and have it to the fullness, everything. But it's not easy. You have to hear and listen to my words. 
and then put them into practice. And that's not easy. It's like building into the rock. And then he goes on. If you could go with me to verse 26 and 27. And he says here, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now notice that the rain fell on the wise man and the unwise man. The wise man can lose his job. The unwise man can lose his job. The unwise woman can get sick. The wise man can get sick. It, the rain, as it says elsewhere in Scripture, the rain falls on everyone. And so Jesus is saying, you need to be prepared. This is life. The forecast for 2018, rain and streams and wind. We shouldn't be surprised. So this is what you do. Listen to my words. And so he goes through this entire sermon giving guidance and suggestion. But the foolish person, the foolish man or the foolish woman won't listen. They're going to go off on their own. When he talks about how marriage should look, the wise person will listen. The unwise will go, ooh, that's a little too hard. I don't really, that doesn't, mm -mm. When he talks about the road being narrow, there's two paths. Ah, oh, the narrow road's more difficult, but the wide road, that's easy. We're drawn towards that which is comfortable, that which is convenient. But Jesus wants us to have a full life, so he's calling us to something that is difficult, but something that will last, and something that will be good. My plan was to have a, a, a Lego house here. I actually bought it, and in honor of the crown, it's Buckingham Palace, and I was going to have someone up here building it to kind of show that, but it just seemed too distracting, so I didn't do it. But the reality is that all of you are doing that. That's what you're going to be doing with your life. This upcoming year, you're building your life. We are all building on some foundation. Is your foundation something that's shifting sand or something that's going to last? And Jesus is saying, he's warning the people that he's just given the sermon to, trust me. Trust me as I've just taught you about money. I know it's difficult, but trust my guidance. When I tell you that you need to do what is just and care for the poor, when I tell you that if you have two of something, you know you can share it, then you need to share it. You need to do it. If you have something and you need to sell it because it's going to bless someone else, you need to do it. I know it's not easy. I know you'd rather just keep it, but that's shifting sand. It's not going to give you what you think it's going to give you. Trust me. Build your foundation on my words. Move forward. Build your Buckingham Palace trusting me. And his very last word in his sermon, he says, and it fell with a great crash. The last word is actually great. It's uh, Megale. And so his last words are a warning. Now, I'm a guy that loves encouragement. I love it when someone's giving me those encouraging words like Gabby asked for. 
But I also, when someone warns me about something, it kind of shakes me and wakes me up. And there's a time when that's needed. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's trying to wake up the people that are listening to this and warning them the crash will be great for the person that doesn't build on the rock. And the wise people are those that have seen it happen over and over again, and they eventually make a change. Okay, I get it. I've tried it my way. I give up. I will do it your way. As I shared a few weeks ago with my whole dating life, I was a complete hot mess, a yard sale. Eventually, if you're wise, you go, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I surrendered to the Lord. I'm like, you got to figure this out. Either I'm never getting married or you're going to have to bring her along because I'm just too dumb. I've gone through the crashes. I get it. It's a warning. It wakes you up. He's warning us because he loves us. This is life or death stuff we're talking about here. I love to be encouraged, but I also want to know the warning. Tell me what I don't know. And so he's telling us what we need to hear. And here's the thing that I think, like I said, if you really break this passage apart and look at this, look at this parable, he says something that's beautiful, yet we can easily miss it. If it starts to rain and the storm comes, it's too late to start building on the foundation. You can't just wait, oh, I better do it now. For most of us, we've had the opportunity to mess up. And he gives us that chance to be born again, to repent. And what does repent mean? It means to change. Another way to say it means to start over. It's not easy, but what's the point of continually building, knowing that the stream is going to come and knock it down again? Eventually, you're like, I'm tired of doing this. Let's just do it so that it lasts. So he finishes. And when he had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Now, we don't know what happened with these crowds. Some of them were fans and some of them were followers. Some of them were just hearing and some were listening. And some left putting it into practice, but we don't know. But what we do know is that they were amazed. He impressed them. But Jesus doesn't care. He's not trying to impress us. God so loved us that he came. He shares these words because he cares. He shares and ends with a warning instead of the warm, fuzzy, let's go get him. He sends a warning because he cares for us. So on these, I have a friend that uh, came a few weeks ago, and they hadn't come to church for a while. And as they were leaving, they said, you know what? I realize why I come. I realize why I should have been here. And luckily, they didn't say it because the person teaching that day was impressive. Because as, if you know me well enough, I'm really not impressive. If you're visiting, you're like, wow, he said such good things. And then you get to know me, you're like, oh, oh, okay. But they came because God's word, God's worship that is directed to him, and they understood, this is what I want to build my life on. It's not just about attending. It's not about just listening. It's not about calling yourself as a Christian. In fact, my wife, as she's been traveling, 
says, I don't even like the word Christian anymore because it means something completely different than what Jesus is talking about here. A Christian should not be someone that just says, I'm a Christian. It should be someone that hears and listens and practices. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we as a people, just this small group of people and the people that are home with the flu, if we were to listen, to take notes, to be in small groups, to wrestle with this, to really pray, not just talk about praying, not just think about praying, but to really pray, to seek the Lord, to, as we go through this Sermon on the Mount, to really wrestle with these words and go, God, what are you calling me to do? How do I put this into practice? I don't understand. That's okay, but we're wrestling with it. What if we did that? Imagine the fruit that would come out of our lives and bless others. Imagine the people that would come to you and say, can you share this with me? Imagine the people that would come to you to listen. You're like, whoa, whoa, I'm not Jesus. No, 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 you're not. I get that. But I want to have this firm foundation. The rains have come, they've gone, the winds, the, the floods. Help me. Because that is our responsibility, not just the person that has this mic. It's all of our responsibilities who follow Christ. He will give you people that you're going to coach and walk with to help them on this journey, to build onto the rock. Um, I'm going to invite the worship team up. We are going to uh, take communion. So if you could stand with me. There's going to be a couple places. There's going to be one here. There's going to be a station here, and there's going to be a station over here by this speaker over here. When Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he said to do this in remembrance of me. Again, it could be just like, okay, sure, I'm going to just think about you. No, because as he was doing that, he was doing it with his disciples, his apprentices. I know some woodworkers here. I know a plumber here. I'm staring at the plumber right now. If he has someone that comes as an apprentice to a plumber, if they're not going to do it, they just move on. A lot of apprentices do it for free. So you think it's free labor. It's not worth it if they're not going to listen and do what you tell them to do. And so Jesus is talking to his apprentices. And he's giving them communion. He says, this is my body which is broken for you. Which is another way to say, you're going to do this as well. And this is my blood which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me as a good apprentice. Learn from me. So as you take communion... Remember him. But not just remembering, hear, listen with the intent to put it into practice. Father, we surrender to you. We are overwhelmed with this. This is a task that is beyond us. And we admit that before you. Father, walk with us. Help us to encourage each other, challenge each other. Bind us together, unite us intent on one purpose to bring life, to bring changed lives. But we know that that change, that that full life only comes from you. So we do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. Amen. I'm a history teacher. And so generally speaking, I like things in sequence. And then Boog told us this morning, hey, we're going to skip to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and then we're going to go back to the middle, but we already did the beginning. So in my mind, I'm thinking, 
Boog, what are you doing? Like, that's not how you teach the Sermon on the Mount. Because I'm not a teaching pastor, therefore my mind works differently from Boog. And as I was listening, and as the Spirit was speaking to me, and speaking through Boog, I realized, oh, that's brilliant. What he's doing is he's taking these words Jesus said. Let's see here. Next page. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. And if we're tracking with Boog, our minds think, well, what, what are these words? These words of mine, because I, I have to put them into practice, right? Otherwise, my house is going to crumble. So I just picked three or four very brief things. It says, and this is from three chapters in, in Matthew. You are the light of the world. That's me. He's talking to me. He's talking to you as well. You are the light of the world. Those are the words that he's talking about. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. This then is how you should pray. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Those are some of the words that Jesus is referring to when he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. So Lord, help us to put these words into practice. Now, as a teacher, I often give homework. And I'm giving you homework. And unlike my eighth grade students, I want you all to do it. <laughs> it's going to take you 15 minutes. I want you to read the Sermon on the Mount, even if you've read it 100 times. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because in order for us to put these words into practice, we have to know what the words are. So at some point in the next week, sit down and take 15 minutes, or break it up and do five minutes for Matthew 5, five minutes for 6, five minutes for 7. It's really important that we know what Jesus is saying to us. Because this isn't something for... 2,000 years ago. It's something for us today. And if we believe, then we have to know what we believe. So I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that for whatever reason you've chosen us as your children. Thank you for your words that you left us, that we can put them into practice. And thank you that it means if we can and we can live in homes that are built with solid, firm foundations. We don't want to live in homes that are built on sand. We want homes that are built on the rock because we know that what you're talking about is not our actual home, but it's our lives. Help us to understand what these words are that we need to put into practice. We thank you. We pray in your son's name. Amen.